Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I use science, spirituality, and play to help people relax into their true essence so they can experience more ease, joy, and abundance. And you, you magical being, you are here. Thank you so much for listening to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. If it's your first time here, welcome. If you're a regular, welcome. I love you all. Before we get into today's episode, which is a really juicy conversation with Pete, my husband, I have two announcements for you. First of all, the money class starts on March 29th. That is next week or just a few days from now. It's a Tuesday, March 29th. We go for eight weeks. We meet Tuesday evenings, Eastern time. So 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern time. And boy, oh boy, this is going to be so Good. This is like nothing I've ever offered before. Nothing I've ever conceived before. And I keep coming up with more and more things that I just have to squeeze in. And I don't have any idea how I'm going to fit all of this into eight weeks, but all I will say is gives me absolutely positively jam-packed with sauce because juice is temporary and sauce is forever as everyone knows or at least as Justin Timberlake teaches us. So anyway, some of the things that are going to be included in the money class are, we're going to talk about how to use your unique strategy and authority to get yourself in to flow, to maximize your time in the flow, the flow of life and the flow of money and the flow of abundance, the flow, the the divine flow. We're going to talk about how to regulate your nervous system to maximize your time in the flow. We're going to talk about how to share your unique gifts, your one of a kind gifts as your form of service an empowered service, not as a servant, but as somebody who serves, we're going to talk about really, truly receiving. We're going to talk about releasing what no longer serves you. And those are just a few of the topics we will be sure to cover. If you are interested in joining us, sign up. The link is in the show notes. We start March 29th and along with eight weeks with me, you also get a 30 minute mini human design reading. So sign up ASAP so you can get that reading before we get started. Okay. The other announcement, it's really big. Are you ready? Pete and I are now offering relationship mentoring. And if that is something that interests you and your partner, simply email me at Kelsey at KelseyAbbott.com and we will start a conversation about what that will look like for you. Okay, enough with the announcements. Let's get in to the gold of this episode. I love you so much. Go forth and be awesome. Hello. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be here. I'm glad you you like it here in my yes. office. No, it is nice in your office. And I'm glad I'm out of the sun because the sun is very warm. It is. I'm in the warm spot. All right. So before we get into sharing all the epiphanies and the experiments and all that stuff, I have to share a magical story mm-hmm. with the people. With the people. The people. Yes. Hello, people. Um, okay. So... I have this friend, this amazing friend, her name's Danielle. You've heard about Danielle before. So Danielle learned that she had a relative pass away and learned that she was getting an inheritance. This person passed away in 2020, in May of 2020. And then she learned she's getting this inheritance. They keep saying, okay, it's coming this month. It's coming this month. It's coming this month. Stay with me on this story, by the way. This, there is magic here. And so finally, like a year and a half later, the inheritance check shows up this past week. This inheritance check. So Danielle says, thank you, Olga. And I was like, Olga? Olga is my new client. And so I was like, thank you, Olga. I'm so excited to meet Olga. I got to meet Olga today. And guess what? Olga lives in another part of the country right now. She asked me where I was and I said Florida and we were just talking about Florida and then I was like, well, I'm actually in Sarasota. And she was like, you're in Sarasota? Turns out Olga just bought the house like 
three doors down from us. So there's so much Olga magic in the world right now. And I hope that everyone is listening is also touched by the magic of Olga. Let's all say thank you, Olga. Thank you, Olga. (sighs) I just feel like if you don't believe that the universe is wicked sassy, do you now? That's, I mean, that's, you came in beaming after your call and being like, how sassy do you think the universe is? And, and thankfully, you know, sass can be subjective. It could be positive. It could be negative. It could, it's, it's usually neutral and it just depends on how you look at it. Um, and, but based on your body language, it was pretty clear that there was something really cool that had just happened. So sassy for me typically is very magical, is very mm-hmm. positive, is very like, is the universe winking at me being like, mm-hmm, you want to see this trick? It's as you would say, hold my beer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I am very impressed. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited to see what else the universe yeah, can do. Absolutely. Thank you, Olga. Okay. The other thing before we get into all of your epiphanies with mm-hmm. McDougal is just the energy shift we've experienced lately. Well, I was about to say, it's kind of connected to the fact that the universe is suddenly being sassy. And I don't think that there's any mistaking its connection to like what we've just been kind of figuring out and doing around here. Yeah. So Saturday night, we, we don't go out. We don't like... <laughs> we don't, we're not one of those kinds of people. <laughs> no. Well, we did something really exciting, really out of the ordinary for us. What did we do? We moved furniture around. <laughs> we did. We That's moved. right, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard it here first. A wild and crazy Saturday night night at uh, the Abbott McDougal household. We moved furniture. Around. We moved furniture. We cleared off like... It was like I suddenly could see areas that, like, wait, what is all that doing there? That mm-hmm. doesn't need to be there. There's actually an empty cabinet. Then all of that can go in right now. Mm-hmm. And we completely shifted the energy in this place. We we made space for the energy to flow through. And, and I mean, just, just to give a little bit more information. So we have, when you first walk into our house, there's a very large open area that in our house, a lot of these houses in our neighborhood are very similar. And in other houses, there's just enough space for people to actually put kind of a living room style room, like a sofa and a couple of chairs. There's just not quite enough for that. But Kelsey has bikes. Yeah, Kelsey <laughs> has bikes. We need to put bikes somewhere. And the we don't do well with like a, a defined eating area, like a formal dining room, but we have a dining room table. And so we put that in this space but the space swallowed it up like it looked like a kid's fisher price table surrounded by this sea of open space and a couple of bikes it was like who gets to sit at the kids table yeah we all do (laughs) we all do um and so it it was something that it was better than walking in on your bike trainer but it i don't think it ever really sat well for us and i think we just for the last i think literally three years or two and a half years we're like it's fine like we're moving soon anyways it's fine and so you just you were suddenly like you said something yeah i read i was reading this book and i read this story about this zen monk who moved into this home for six months and as soon as he got there he started uh taking care of the garden like re replanting transplanting stuff he started redoing wallpaper and someone said hey you're only going to be here for six months. Why are you doing all that? And he said, because I want to be here for six months. And that's what we realized. Mm-hmm. Like, how can we savor where where we are right now? And it was interesting because as soon as I suggested this to you, you, Pete started like listing off all the outside projects. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got to pay attention to the inside. Like, how yeah. do we want to feel? I think there are some rooms in this house that we feel really good in. Yeah. And others that were like, eh. So what I said is like, I want to savor. How can we savor where we are? Mm-hmm. We know we want to move, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is not news to anyone. And yet we are here right now. And I feel like we've kind of done this or I don't, I won't speak for you, but like 
I very much, I love my Sunday rides with friends. I love just, I love running with you where we run. I love riding there. I, the pool is beautiful. So there's so much that I love, but I don't, like, I just overlooked the inside of the house. Well, and we overlooked parts of it because I think there's, like, it's not like we're we're living with, like, constant irritants. It's just literally your comment about the dining room table made us realize that we both were bothered by it. Maybe not enough to kind of do something about it. And the clutter wasn't at a level that was a problem. It's just we we'd knocked it back a couple of times, but we're still using that sideboard as a place to store sunglasses and a couple of pieces of paper that didn't really have a good home yet. Um, the other thing was the solution to both major issues that we had. One corner of our living room, which felt over full, and the dining room, quote unquote, that felt under full, was like, well, what if we would just move this big sitting chair from here to there? And it probably breaks, I'm sure, some cardinal rule of interior design, but it looks good to me and well, it works better. Yeah, I feel like, so what it felt like before is I'd open the front door and like, I know that's a really important part of the energy. You open the door into your home and how do you feel? Mm-hmm. And I would see this dining room table, nice dining room table doesn't fit the space mm-hmm. and be kind of like, Oh, here I am. Now I open the door and I see this cozy little little reading nook. Mm -hmm. And that, I'm like, it's really nice. Then there's the next possible step. Yeah. Do you want to talk about this? Well, no, I was going to say that the the, one of the comments you made that really brought it home for me and the feeling I was having was it, it looked like a rental. It looked like a dorm room. It looked like a someone's stuff i mean you and i have always done this with all the houses we've lived in like we've never you know i I think some people when they move to a space they're like okay we get all new stuff that fits this space we just take our stuff and move it from house to house we've moved so many times that i think that became a like well it wasn't until we bought this house that we're like let's buy a new sofa yeah people do that And, and we bought two lamps that go together in the corner of a room on purpose. That was like our first actual, wait a second, we don't just take whatever lamps we'd accumulated over the years and just be like, well, we need light here, plunk this there. There was like, these lamps look good, bracketing the scent. This is like interior design. But yeah, we bought so I mean, I I do want to like kind of, not defend us, but (laughs) explain a little bit to say that we traveled in a camper for 16 months. Yeah. And then I don't think we, it's certainly not like trauma from that. We just were in this minimalist mode. Mm-hmm. And then, so from 16 months in the camper to buying this house to, it, it took us a year to put like things on the wall. Yeah. It took us two years. To buy two the Two years sofa. to, um, no, I think less, like a year and a half to buy the sofa and two years to make my office pretty. Yes. And then it took us four years to make the dining room. To finally get around to the dining room. Yeah. And I think the point the point was it had become that feeling when you step in. It wasn't coming into our house. It was coming into this, you know, ill-fitted shirt. And you're just like, well, it's good enough. Cause... It was like, for me, it was like, just go in further. Once you, or yeah. look to the right. Look yeah. to the right and it's pretty. And then come in further and, and you get it into feels the like the kitchen home. and the kitchen's nice. And the kitchen feels like home. And the living room feels like home. So it really was addressing... Yeah. That And it just happened that that was the first room you walk into. Because I think a lot of people have rooms in the back of their house that's just kind of the hodgepodge. It's just our hodgepodge was like front and center, first thing you walk into. And then there's the experiment that mm-hmm. I think we we may do, which is so shortly after we bought this house, I, I learned a lot about feng shui. And they, in feng shui, they say if like the first thing you see when you open the door into your house... If it's a reflective surface, like a mirror or a window, you want to put something on it because the money will like flow into your home and then bounce out. Mm-hmm. And that is what we were experiencing mm-hmm. when we first moved here. And it was like you open the door to our house and there's the uh, sliding glass doors out into the pool. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, okay, and covered those up. And yet when we had, before we covered those up, I got joy 
when I would open the front door and see this beautiful pool. Yeah. So, and I, I just, I, I read this quote over and over and over again. And every time I do it, I think of another area in my life. But it's basically like, stop. I'm completely going to butcher this. That's fine. Let's not call it a quote anymore. Basically, stop giving your power to somebody else. So whenever somebody... Don't let somebody else tell you what's right or what's possible. Yeah, that is no longer a quote. (laughs) That's just not even. It's barely a paraphrase at this point. (laughs) It's barely a sentence. But like, oh, if feng shui says don't do this. So feng shui is telling me what's right, what's possible. Feng shui also said you shouldn't have a bright red wall anywhere in your house, let alone in your office. Yeah. And I love it. I yeah. tried, we tried some neutral-ish colors yeah, in here and work. I was like, oh, what I really, really, really want is a red wall. Mm-hmm. Why can't I trust what I really, really want? What mm-hmm. brings me joy? That's got to be right, right? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm, so, I'm all in. So the big lesson from this is you have to fully move in mm-hmm. before you can move out. And I think that goes for a home that goes for an idea. I think it goes for an experience. Like even if you're having, if you're experiencing an injury or an illness, get all the way in there. Of course you want it to end as soon as possible, but how can you get in there? How can you inhabit it? Mm-hmm. And then you can leave it behind. Right. It, it's, it's the act of being wherever you are. We're always going to be somewhere else. It's just we don't necessarily know how long that's going to be before we're the somewhere else. So if you're constantly looking ahead to the somewhere else, it's that, I mean, it's the at the very basic, you got to be where you are. And so I think we do that well in a lot of different parts. And, and there's parts that we're actively working on. But clearly from the point of view of, rooms in our house and what we felt made sense for our use of the space we were not being where we were like we were we were just skipping ahead being like well you know like it's like not bothering to unpack the box because you know you're probably going to move in two years so what's the point well yeah and i think also the other question is how can you make it beautiful Mm. not how can you find the beauty in this situation like well yeah how can you find the beauty in this situation and how can you find beauty all around you but also how can you create beauty Mm -hmm. and we are constantly experiencing awe and wonder at the beauty around us in nature right but we're not so good at paying attention and noticing to the beauty like noticing to (laughs) noticing the beauty like in our own home or yeah and you say we're i think that's legit like literally the you and me yeah we're not like other people may be better oh, at other seeing people are absolute champs at this yeah and but may not see the natural beauty i mean we all we all probably are doing work around various elements of that for but for us in particular we tend to to take a more utilitarian approach to the non-natural beauty like it's yeah it's pretty pretty good it's good enough it's fine versus seeing the beauty and creating the beauty in it yeah i think um utilitarian is a little of an (laughs) over exaggeration (laughs) right but there you go i know that's how you would be if left to your own devices oh absolutely four walls and a roof that's all you really need my libra energy does show up in some ways yes okay so you have had over like the past month mm-hmm. you've been having a bunch of human design epiphanies right and i want to i want to hear all about them you want to rehash them so, out on the podcast <laughs> well yes because you said it would be okay no absolutely it's just we we have talked about them already this is yeah yes. okay so first of all you naturally have you naturally have an undefined ego and an undefined root right and you have seven defined centers. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole lot of focus on the openness of those two centers. You are very subjected to feeling and amplifying other people's energy in those centers. You're mm-hmm. very um, prone to suffering in mm-hmm. those centers. So a few weeks ago, because of the way the planets moved, you had a defined ego center. Mm-hmm. What was your experience? It like? was a superpower. I am amazed at 
people who get to have a defined ego all the time like me like you like how do you not get anything done like how do you ever go without being able to get everything done like it's it's like it was awesome like i i mean do you want to explain what the ego is for people so the ego center a defined ego gives you strong consistent motivation Mm -hmm. so 70% of the population has an undefined ego meaning your motivation comes in waves you're prone to feeling like you need to prove yourself to yourself and others Mm -hmm. and those of us with a defined ego only 30% of the population we have strong consistent motivation Mm -hmm. so and and motivation is is key because it's the thing that Wait, I should probably add yeah. in, um, kind of, sort of, don't ever feel like we need to prove ourselves to other people. No, <laughs> give zero Fs. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I have struggled with motivation, and, and I mean, I'm going to kind of mix the two a little bit together, because sometimes the coping mechanism for my lack of motivation also relates to the undefined root, but like... I make lists and so I'll I'll make my to-do list. My to-do list is what motivates me because it's like the the feeling the need to get something done during the day, which is the proving proving myself to myself or to others. Like you got you got to do stuff in order to be worth your spot on the planet. And um you have the list, so you just you look at the list and just pick something and just go do it. Um it's not finding what lights you up it's not it's not asking those kinds of questions it's just do it and it can be it can be really challenging to stare at a to-do list and not feel lit up by any of it and not you know and just be like i don't i don't want to do this no that just seems too hard and it's just like oh but with my defined ego it was just like boom first on the list done second on the list let's do that third on the list do that too like there was just there was no hesitation. There was no effort involved. There was no artificial motivation and play mind tricks about, well, if you get this done, then the rain's coming. So you really need to, like, none of that. It was just like, boom, 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 done. And it was easy and it was quick. And it was like, it was fine. Like, it's what you think of when you take someone who has motivation in ways and then just floor the gas pedal and be like, you will have all the motivation you need for the next, I don't know, 24, 36 hours, whatever it is. What is it like for you normally? Like, what do your motivational waves feel like? Like, there's times where I absolutely am like, uh, let's do this. Like, often what it'll be is I'll go down the to-do list and then sometimes it'll be something like, I really am looking forward to doing this. And so my motivation to do it is right there. It's, you know, don't have to dig deep for it. Don't have to do whatever other times it's like i don't want to do anything but i have to like i should myself into doing stuff and and that's what i've developed over my life is figuring out just exactly what flavor of should works for different things so when your motivation comes in waves do you find that you'll be motivated like oh i'm really motivated to do yard work right now but i don't want to do any computer work or yeah i mean and it's it's also it's weird because i will like i'll just be thinking of like yard work the day before and be like all right saturday i'll do yard work like and and i think part of it is also building up momentum which i know is associated with the root but building up momentum over a series of like thursday i'll be like okay i'm going to we're going to finish pruning the hedge. Like we have a really long hedge that runs the whole length and it's kind of like a two day job. And it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And then Friday is like, that's right. Hedge days tomorrow. And then, so like I kind of go into Saturday with enough momentum that it can like, and build up enough of this like steam that I will do it. I don't, I may do it at two o'clock in the afternoon when it's the hottest because I can finally, like I've just, I've done everything else that I can and recovered from our run and whatever. So that's kind of like, I've learned to focus and capture what motivation there is over a period of time and then distill it so that I bring it to bear at the right time. As opposed to this list was like, yeah, what what do you want? What what should we do next? That, that thing on the list, do that thing. Like there's no, there was stuff on the list that was 
that had been getting carried over from list to list for like weeks, nothing urgent. Like it wasn't like, oh, got to fix that leaky pipe that is creating more. Pro it's just stuff of like, oh yeah, let's just do that. Why not? It's easy. You know how to do it, do it. And it's like 15 minutes later and it's done. It's like, so why did that take two weeks? Interesting. And so that's why I was calling it a superpower where it was just feels, it's so freeing to think about doing something and then do it. You don't have to build these internal arguments and justifications and shoulds and all this kind of stuff. Um, you, you actually said to me like, wait, so you feel like this all the time? And I was like, yeah. Well, so there are still things you don't do. Why yeah. don't you do them? Why don't you do them? And I said, because I don't want to. Mm. And you seemed like that blew your mind. Yeah, because I think the biggest obstacle for me doing something is the motivation to do it, not whether or not I want to do it. Does desire play any role in it for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's some things that I really look forward to do, and I I do them, and it's it's fun, but it's it's almost secondary. Right, because this conditioning, this open ego conditioning is so strong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, because the world does not work well with people in its current iteration with people who have motivation that comes in waves. Like, they're not like, ah, I don't feel like putting that bolt on that well, assembly line right now. We, I'm going to challenge that statement because okay. I know... That you lived in Barbados for, what was it, nine months? Mm hmm And what happens in Barbados? Island time. Exactly. So do things get done right away? Mm-mm. No. And people are okay, right? Non-North Americans are okay. <laughs> we ended up being okay. We got a lot of stuff done. Because that's because well, we... we were able to do our own thing. Like, we were fine once it came to interacting with island time. Like, if... It was gonna. Someone was gonna drop off a thing that we needed because we ordered it and ended up being a week late. That's not a problem. But if like we were out on the reef, you know, four times a day, three times a day, we weren't sitting there at like nine o'clock being like, eh, we'll go in an hour and a half. No, we knew we had to be out there at nine o'clock to keep the data set going, and we knew we had to go six days in a row in order to keep the data set going. We didn't be like, ah, oh, we'll do it tomorrow. Like, and all of that was. A good segue into the second topic, epiphany about root and pressure. All of that was entirely driven externally by pressure. Like we have to get in order. We're here for this amount of time in order to get this amount of data sets. We need to like it's like breaking it down to be like we can't take today off. If we take today off, then in six months' time, we're looking at one less data point. Like that, that is why we got so much stuff done. And that's why I lost 15, 20 pounds. <laughs> just go, 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 go. Don't stop. Yep. On the seventh day, we rested. And then go, no, go, we go. Did not. Well, we we did rested data. on like the 30th day. Well, on the seventh day, we were out of the water. We just were working on data on the seventh day. Wow. Why did you stay with me after such like, here, come to the Caribbean for six months and it'll be fun. No, it won't. It was, it was a little bit fun, but let's move mm -hmm. on to, so your open route yeah. makes you feel pressure. Right. And as I've explained, I actually don't even know if I've explained this on the podcast, but whether you've got an open route or an open crown, these are places that you're going to feel pressure. Now, if you have a defined root or a defined crown, you don't feel pressure in those places. So I don't feel root pressure. Right. Pete doesn't feel crown pressure, but I feel crown pressure, which is mental pressure, and Pete feels root pressure. Which is like body pressure. Mm -hmm. So you recently learned to recognize that pressure, right? Yeah, and we've talked about it before in in the podcast episodes that were like, you know, how to live with someone who's got a, you know, open root and how to live with someone who's got an open crown and all the ways that we've learned about how um, the other person interprets things that are not at all, just through, like in the case of the root, you kind of coming in, checking on the, like when we're going to leave for a walk and then going and sitting on a sofa 
kind of within the orbit of me knowing that you're waiting puts huge physical pressure of like just gotta get out and do um and so it was through conversations with that uh, conversations about that and and talking about pressure and and you know coming up with additional situations where you and I would be able to talk through like you you saying you know that that's pressure and that helped me triangulate that feeling and it's I can't express what it actually feels like just as you can't express what the crown pressure feels like other than in kind of metaphors and similes and whatnot but it is this this overwhelming urgency to get stuff done in order to do the thing that is causing the pressure. Wait, I can kind of explain it right now because I've been learning about polyvagal theory. Okay. And all right, we're going to we're going to take a moment <laughs> to talk about polyvagal theory for a second. So, polyvagal theory says that we've got three systems, the ventral system, the dorsal system, and the sympathetic system. So, the ventral system is where we're calm and open and happy and joy-filled and we offer help to others and we ask for help if we need it, then the sympathetic system is where we feel fight or flight, like panic. The dorsal system is where we shut down, where like if you're super stressed and you just get tired, you're just like, peace out. So for me, mental pressure will feel, I'll feel that like jagged energy of the fight or flight like, mm -hmm. oh my god there's so much i gotta get away mm -hmm. is that what root pressure feels like for you yeah it's basically eliciting the same it's it's a it's a fight or flight it's like you gotta just gotta do and that's why that's why like you'll be sitting in the sofa completely like just it, he said it would take five minutes that means in peter time it'll probably be 10 i'll just sit here and wait and like you'll put a book down or I hear a page turn. I'm like, I'm coming, I'm coming. And it's like, because there's just that trigger elicits the, the fight flight kind of overreaction to the, like, cause it's just, it's in the back of my mind. It's like, she's waiting, she's waiting. You gotta go, you gotta go. You said five minutes. It's not been seven. It's been seven minutes. You're late. Go, go, go. Like it's, it's that kind of constant push and urgency. And so the, the epiphany as it were, um, was just realizing that any time I feel that pressure, you know, you put a box around it. There's there's other types of pressure, and we were talking about this just earlier today. You know, the pressure of uh, being on the free throw line, team down by one. Like that's a lot of pressure. Where all of a sudden, you know, it's like a, the final putt to to win the tournament in golf. Although well, I've never actually played golf. Um, it's being the anchor in a relay. Yeah, you know, like it's. It's like everyone's counting on you kind of pressure. That's a different kind of pressure. That's mental pressure. Yeah. So this, the pressure that I'm talking about, the way I feel it, I can put a box around it and be like, and finally label it. Oh, when I start feeling this, like I can't, I can't not feel it. Like the, the goal of all this is not to be like never feeling it. The, the purpose is it comes through. I'm like, ah, this is pressure. This is external. So this isn't this isn't an internal motivation. This is an a, a, a response to an external, not mine, input. And so, it's my choice whether or not to give in to the pressure and use it to rush, or to be like, ah, it's not mine. Return to center. Don't need it. You know. And and that has been super helpful. I still use it because it's part of my coping mechanisms to get stuff done because I have that pressure and it's a, it's like, it's like six cups of ca caffeine. Like you're just, just go and just do it. And so talk about your motivation and talk about your, your momentum and all those other things that I don't. Right. You're producing. Like, I actually don't know if you literally are producing cortisol, yeah. but I imagine you're producing cortisol to drive you. To just drive, to get it done. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is like i remember thinking it's really weird this is way back even in college and then when in the early years of as a freelance writer it's really weird i don't understand why i have a week to do something and i will wait until 
two days out until I feel stressed about getting it done and then voila, I can get it done. Like, why don't I just do it on Monday? And I mean, I know that's a, that's a near universal to some extent. A lot of people recognize like, oh yeah, it's called waiting to the last minute. And, you know, but the, the key thing is it's, if it doesn't, if you can't naturally just do something whenever you want to, then it's a question of developing the mechanism that allows you to override that lack of momentum or lack of motivation and get it done in Tuesday. And so you create artificial deadlines where people will say, well, if something's due Friday, I set a deadline on Wednesday and I just embody the deadline. So then I get my panicky cortisol. So I get it done early. Like there's all these tools and techniques you develop because you learn pretty quickly that if you don't feel motivated to do it and it's homework, that's going to come back and bite you in the ass unless you actually figure out how to get it done. I want to quickly just tangent off to that procrastination bit. I think as somebody with a defined route, I people would accuse me of procrastinating. Mm-hmm. It was never like I didn't need to build up the pressure. It wasn't about building up pressure for me. It yeah. was and also strong, consistent motivation. I was just sometimes I don't want to do it until the day before i rarely see a point in doing it yeah. <laughs> until the day well before. especially as an mg what you how you show up when you're ready to do it may be different four days from now so if you do it now you may be a different person in three days and so may have done it differently and i'm not saying you're you're therefore worried about redoing it because we've already talked about that but it's it's just a. I'll do it when it's ready to be done and I'll know everything I need to know by the time I'm ready to do it. Exactly. I feel so seen by your words right now. Thank you. You're so welcome. sexy. <laughs> <sighs> um keeping it PG. Okay. So so what you you started talking about your coping mechanisms. Right. And that was the next thing we were gonna talk about is your defined ajna and how your beliefs as somebody with a defined ajna, we've I mean, we have talked about the difference between Defined an open ajna. I have an open ajna. Pete has a defined ajna. And, but we haven't really talked about how with a defined ajna, your beliefs can actually feel so sticky. Whereas I will say with an open ajna, it typically it's like I find something in, whew, bless and release. I no longer think that. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like a defined ajna, open ajna, like it's about these ideas and concepts and beliefs. And so one of the things like when when we're listening to a podcaster, a podcast or something like that, and the person, you're like, hey, this would be good to listen to because there's a couple of really interesting gems in here. And I struggle because in addition to the gems, there's some crazy stuff that I just can't wrap my head around and so I struggle to even hear the gems whereas you're like yeah that that stuff's crazy just let it go by and so there's that stickiness to these concepts and ideas in a very general sense um that shows up in that sense and it was it was in conversations with someone else with a defined ajna that you were like huh and kind of applied it to these coping mechanisms so as I said earlier about how I figured out these ways to get around the undefined or open root and open ego, like the motivations and the momentum to get stuff done. There's all sorts of beliefs like you got to be doing stuff in order to earn your place on this earth. Um, You know, and a busy busyness is good and doing things like sitting down on a sofa and just kind of wasting the day just not doing anything is wasting the day. Um, and even now I'm like, and while there's still a grain of truth in those, like it's, <laughs> it's fascinating just how sticky those ideas are. Um, and one of the things that we realized is that, yeah, like if I start pulling like those, those, some of those core beliefs, some of those core stories that are built up around these undefined centers and ways that I've figured out how to do all the things that I do ever since I realized that I needed to hack the system in order to get stuff done. I think I said to you, like, it's kind of like pulling a thread and like, so it's like, all right, you know, I've identified this belief as a story and I don't need it. And it 
may actually be an unhealthy way of going through. It's certainly not aligned. Okay. But if I start pulling and I'm like, well, wait a second, it touches on that thing and it touches on that thing and that thing and that thing. I'm like, shit, if I, if I pull this thread out, I'm unraveling the whole sweater. Like there is not just a stray thread that I'm going to pull and it's going to come out and be like, voila, it was just a little fringe. It's like, no, this is a core thing that touches on all of these elements of my life. And, and it doesn't just touch on them. It's sticky. Like it's, it's incorporated into the, into the design and it, it poses an interesting challenge of like, what would I be like if I pull this out and I remove this central thread, like what would the sweater be look like? And it's funny because when I, I hear myself ask that question, it's full of like, God, well, what would I be like? And I hear you ask that question being like, and what would you be like? Like it's, it's the same question viewed from two opposite points of view and filled with completely diametrically opposed emotions and energies. But that's, that's what I feel like. I feel with the Ajna, these tenants have been tried, tested, true. So they are, they're true, capital T, true. And so if I start being like, maybe it's not healthy for me to basically put myself into a cortisol cascade in order to get that assignment done over and over and over again. Okay. But shit, like if I, if I pull that coping mechanism out, then how do I get taxes done? How do I go to the grocery store? How do I, you know, do this other assignment? How do I mow the, like all of these other things that I have just built, like everything that I do has become leveraged or touched for the most part on this mechanism of how do I get stuff done? And it's a, it's a fascinatingly scary thing of like, yeah, no, I, I'm not ready to pull that out. <laughs> like, So what's the fear beneath it all? That I then spend seven days straight sitting on a sofa watching television. And what if you did? <laughs> I know, that would be horrible because of all the preconceived notions about what, you know, I'd probably get bed sores at that point. But like... <laughs> But yeah, it's it's interesting because this expresses itself. Can we, can we talk about the irony for a second? <laughs> the irony that I feel like every Westerner's biggest fear is laziness. That, well, if I don't do that, then I'm going to just sit and watch Netflix all day. And yet, as a country, how much TV do we watch? We watch a lot. So I we're know. already sitting and watching Netflix all day. But like, it's it's... It is, it's a fascinating, I mean, you look at, I, I mean, I think some people do better at this than I do based on TV shows and movies. Um, but like, so I'll be, I'll be in a real push uh, coming up to the end of a guidebook. And it's just this, this huge, intense, very much external pressure driven, get it done, get it done, get it done, completely unaligned. It, it, it you know, burns up all my reserves from the outside. I, I, it's not healthy and I'm working to make do better. But like all, like the carrot at the end of that is like, and then I get it done. I'm going to take two weeks off. I'm not going to work. For, I'm just not going to, you know, just going to, just going to like sit outside and meditate and listen to the birds and, you know, not sit inside and watch TV, but like otherwise not do. I think... This is going to be our seventh guidebook. First one doesn't count. I think of the other five, I only ever managed half a day, maybe. And that was mostly because I truly was actually exhausted and incapable, maybe even sick and incapable of doing anything. And so I find that the carrot itself is a figment and a mechanism. It's like, oh, we'll just rest. But secretly we know you can't rest because all of this falls apart if resting is an acceptable way of being. So it's like, yeah, 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 I'll, we'll write that check. No problem. We all know it's going to bounce, but it doesn't matter because you got paid with, you've got, you know, you'll, you'll get that time off at the end of it. And I mean, I think you see that in corporate America where people have unused vacation and, and when they go on vacation and they sit on the beach for 
five minutes and then are like, I got to do something and they pick up their cell phone. They're, they're looking through their emails and stuff like that. So I know it's not only my issue. Now, don't get me wrong. I, there's only so much time I can just sit on the beach because I kind of get bored. But go walking, go running, go biking, pick up an origami, like whatever you want to do. But yeah, that that was the, it was that feeling of this is, this has become incorporated. It's almost like, it's almost like garbage on a reef. It's, it's become part of the reef that you're worried that you'll do damage if you pull it out. But it, it's so obvious that it shouldn't have been there in the first place. But it's actually become habitat. Yeah, it's actually become habitat. So like, this was not who I am. It was imposed out of trial and error and figuring out how to be an expectation of who I should be. And now it's part of me and it's not a healthy part of me. And so it's like, so how do you walk that fine line? I mean, taking garbage off a reef, absolutely there's ways to do it, but you don't just go in and pull it out because you'll do as much damage as it may be causing now. So how do you take that careful methodical process of, of extracting that core belief that that pressure is valuable and the stress is how you get things done and you know you got to do, 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 do? I don't know. If only I knew a coach. <laughs> yeah, that'd be handy. So there are other people like you. Mm-hmm. How would you like to, like, what if you were to go first? What if you were the one who's here to say right now like i'm brave enough to start unraveling i'm like to start tugging this this thread well i think i am because i'm identifying the thread and i'm labeling that okay this is pressure and this is external um and i think the comment that you made which i thought was useful is like the pressure's great but the pressure's supposed to be what helps you pick up a car yeah not get up out of bed in the morning exactly and so like there's nothing wrong with it and it's there for a reason and it's there for you know whatever but it's it's not there to be 24 hours a day every day you it's know. not your fuel tank right it's your like secret weapon in your back pocket and after you pick up that car you're gonna need like a month of rest yeah because you just picked up a car yeah so, yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I'm totally going to start once I finish this, <laughs> finish the guidebook. <laughs> ah, you hear to hear first, people. I will absolutely get right on this once I've done this next project. Um, but yeah, it, it is an interesting, like, I'm not sure what the steps are. And you can only help me, like one step removed because you don't have an under you don't have an open root and an open ego and i have no interest in telling you how to do things yeah i just want you to find your own way out Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean i think i think the step one is this kind of epiphany of like ah everything that looks feels tastes like this is the kind of pressure that is from outside and has to be a choice as to whether or not I let it in and use it or reject it and keep it out. Yes. Or put it in a box and put it aside and be like, oh. I can tap into that later. You're the pressure box. You go over there because yeah. you can't like throw it out. Just no. be like, oh, I'm not going to bring you with me on my picnic. Yeah. You know, that's what it's like return to sender if you want. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't prevent it from showing up. Right. But you have a choice about what to do. And I think up until recently, I have not been choosing. Yeah. We always have a choice. Yeah. Always, always, always. So that's that's what that's what I'm gonna do. I think that's awesome. And I think we should wrap this up yep. right there. Do you have anything else you wanna add? No, other than our house actually does look nice and we're not living <laughs> in squalor. Like it's just like moving a chair here to make a room look better, just in case people have the wrong idea of what how we live. Thanks for clarifying. You're welcome. I love you. I love you too.
Thank you so much for listening to our conversation. I hope you loved it. And if you did, please share it with your people. And if you're inspired to do so, head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and give us a five-star rating and a review. Thank you so much. And I want to remind you that I'm currently accepting new clients beyond just the money class, which reminder starts March 29th. So click the link in the show notes to sign up. If you want to join us to get eight weeks of the money class and a 30 minute mini human design reading. So that's option one, but also I'm still doing full human design readings, which is a 90 minute one-on-one full reading where we go all the way into every single aspect of your chart. If you're a human design nerd, you know, all of this stuff, like your energy type, your profile, all your gates and channels, all of your arrows, your incarnation cross. We do everything. Plus you get some coaching. I offer that for individuals and partners as in your, you and your business partner, you and your romantic partner, whichever feels best for you. Maybe it's you and your sibling, you and your friend, you and your child, you and your parent to see how you guys interact together and how you can best support each other's energy. I've also got some human design master classes. These are pre-recorded classes that you can do on your own time. And I've got one for manifesting generators, one for emotional authority, and one for the four, six profile. And finally, there's one-on-one coaching with me. This can come in the form of a mini session, a full session. So that's a 30 minute session or a full 60 minute session or long-term coaching. And if any of that interests you again, link in the show notes, or just talk to me about it. Email me at Kelsey at KelseyAbbott.com. All right. That's it for now. I love you. You're amazing. You are a miracle. Go forth and be awesome.